we see what we get. Wow. Your, uh, your enthusiasm is contagious. We'll see what we get. Hey, this is where we get in the podcast minds. <laughs> we just got to get down there and start digging. <laughs> see what we get. Interesting. There will be tunnel content on today's pod. <laughs> oh, good. Byron, where are you? I'm in Seoul, South Korea. Very important distinction. <laughs> it really Korea. is. Not a lot of podcasts from the north, as far as I can tell. I mean, not uh, none that I'm subscribed to, but I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I, I also think it's maybe different different media circles. You know, maybe uh, Kim Jong Un has a has a podcast. It wouldn't surprise me. Maybe he has a movie a movie <laughs> review podcast that he does. I, I would love to hear Kim Jong Un's movie review podcast. Uh, yeah. You know, I just want his what is his take on Bullet Train? We don't know, <laughs> right? Right. And we, the thing, and, and he, I, I've just read a book. I, you know, I try and, I try and learn things about the wow. places I go wow. or places nearby. Yeah. So I just read a book and, and Kim Jong-un is obsessed with the NBA and the Chicago Bulls. Right. Obsessed. So maybe like a movie and then just basketball podcasts, like uh, Russell Westbrook trade rumors. What are his hot takes? <laughs> um you know, like things Fan like that. FanDuel, are I, you paying attention? You've got a real yeah. sponsorship opportunity here. I really want him to do live reads for FanDuel <laughs> and same game parlays. That would really be, <laughs> that would be incredible. That would oh, be incredible. Boy. That would be uh, the best. But enough about the North. Let's talk yes. about the South, a functioning country uh, right. with a thriving democracy um, a fantastic, vibrant city. Uh, it's just a really cool place. It's 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 like a more westernized um, Japan. Obviously, it has its own, uh, it very distinct in its own culture. Um, but there there's a lot of similarities. But it, the the Western influence and the way they've blended things here is very cool. And uh, I'm really I'm digging it. I'm really digging it. So. Remind me, you haven't been to Seoul before, is that right? No, no. Okay. This is my this is my first time, um, right. and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great. It's uh, again, there's di very different, distinct neighborhoods. Um, I've I've been going around uh, Hongdae uh, for a bit, which is sort of like there's a there's a thing that really reminded me of the Third Street Promenade, sort of this pedestrian mall area with stores and there's mega clubs and things are sort of firing on all uh, cylinders here um obviously uh, you're frequenting those mega clubs nightly um i went once and uh just as it got busy around uh 12 30 a.m i said you know what time for me to go to bed and i did <laughs> so, um, but fair. you know, it's fun, fun to experience. Uh, and then, uh, currently I'm in uh, the Itawan area, which used to be sort of the big party area. Um, but then they had the tragedy, uh, not so long ago where they had this, this crush of people and, and 150 young people died. Oh, right. Um, so this area is, is 
really still um it it's about a it's about a month later and it's uh it's still reeling from that you can walk by the 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 where it happened and there's just a block of flowers and then people you know parents have left their kids favorite items and things so it's pretty profoundly sad um and it's a really vibrant international area um but being here, you you just really feel like it's not the same uh, as it was. Um, yeah, but that, that's yeah. terrifying. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in a I, in a throng of people like that that kind of where you lose control over kind of which direction you're moving or how you're like being pushed. I really I, haven't. Have you? What have? have yeah. You been I, well, in a- one year it was the uh, Halloween uh, Greenwich Village parade. In New York City. Halloween and, again. So Halloween is when this happened too. Right. Yeah. Yes. And actually I remember yeah. when it, when this happened, this is that, that made me think of that Greenwich Village parade because yeah. that was a time when I was in a crowd and then all of a sudden you just kind of and you don't think about it, especially there, because you know, you're outside and you're you're on the street. Right. And then next thing you know, like it goes from crowded, crowded, crowded to oh, I'm not I'm no longer controlling where I'm moving. Like this is like, I, I, it was really, that was very scary and you could feel just kind of the crush of people. Um, and how quickly that could become, you know, very dangerous. Uh, but yeah, that's a a, a terrible tragedy, uh, there. Yeah, no, awful, awful. Um, and, and certainly it's, it's, it's lingering here in this neighborhood. And, um, but then, you know, Hongdae is about, 20 minutes on a train away. And so it's, it's basically like the party is all shifted there, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Um, but yes. And, and no, and I've been in Seoul of, uh, for, for a while, very cool city, really enjoying it uh, here. I went to the uh, Korean war Memorial, which is this massive, massive complex uh, as a, a tribute to, Korea, I don't know if you've known, it's been the center of conflicts for many, many centuries. Not just the the, the war in the 1950s or the current issues with the North. It's been uh, World War II, it was occupied, and before that, is, it's just because of its position of strategic importance, there's been war here for a long time. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a, a memorial... Um, mostly to the 1950s Korean conflict. And so there's a, a big plaza and there's a flag of every UN country because the UN was actually fighting the North Koreans in the 1950s because the North Koreans invaded South Korea. Uh, and so there's a flag and a memorial to each country and the people they lost tr- trying to help and defend South Korea um, the largest of which are South Koreans and Americans. Um, and so it's just a very cool tribute and a, and a interesting, like, Hey, we appreciate that all these other countries, um, fought and died to help protect our country. And we don't forget that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on a cooler side, they also have a bunch of tanks and planes and, <laughs> and uh, weaponry outside. There's a like a B-29 bomber you can go look at and, and, a, and a, like a, a mini destroyer from the Korean Navy that you can go up and, and, and check out and little speedboats that look like they're from uh, Miami Vice, um, <laughs> a, a plethora of tanks, all the tanks you can imagine. 
Um, and then you go inside this this big complex as well, and they have all sorts of um, you know more weaponry and history and, and guns and pikes and all the things from the centuries of conflict. Well, you really don't country. know how uh, latent your Americanism is until you walk up to a bunch of heavy artillery, and then you're like, <laughs> "It's you know true, what? yeah. This is this is oh, I this I'm on board." <laughs> it's true, and and a slight difference, well, maybe not, but they uh, they they really uh, they they market to the kids. They market to the kids. <laughs> they have a little. Uh, they have cartoon characters dressed in each of the the navy, the marines, the army, the air force uh, uniforms. Like the lion, he's the the air force lion, and you can go and kids are running up and taking pictures oh, with that's it. Great. Uh, kids are climbing on the like the anti aircraft guns in the, sure. in the pavilion and making the noises and and uh, you know it makes sense. Uh, military service is mandatory. Uh, for for everyone uh, in the country here, um, uh, including including BTS, although they've gotten many deferments, they will That's have right. to serve. Right, and uh, so there, there is a military culture ingrained uh, here, um, and it makes sense. There's a <laughs> there's a looming presence to the north, which has to make them ever vigilant. But um, yeah, it's interesting how it's celebrated and. But it's very cool. They they also present it in a very cool way. They have ta- tanks that are painted like it was actually an American tank painted like a t- like a tiger, um, which was actually how it was from the Marines. So wow. I'm like, this thing's dope. Um, and then they have a a, a life size model of a of a like a warship from the 1500s, and in front of it is a three story. Uh, a three-story LCD screen with waves, so it looks like the ship is sort of like crashing through the waves. It's just very yeah. cool stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, when you're walking around this place, um, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah. So when I think like, of hey, Soul, I think of like Blade Runner, uh, like you know, video boards everywhere and and things like that. Are you experiencing any of the of the cool? sort of like semi-futuristic look of yeah um, the city it does it does have that that vibe for for sure uh not as much as you might think not Mm. as much as you might think there are there are neighborhoods and corners uh uh especially uh where there would be yeah like that you know six stories of of video boards and things like uh and things like that but it's not as much as it's not as much as you might uh as you might imagine Hmm. um and and, yeah what about i mean i i want to know about the food obviously uh because sure i'm a big fan of korean Uh, food yeah i mean here's here's the thing about korean food uh prepare to go on a spice ride it is spicy. It is it is so spicy. Uh, everything is spicy, um, which was a lot to, especially coming from Japan, where they really they go the other direction. Right. It's uh-huh. not. There's not a lot of spice at all. But yeah, they they hit you. There's kim. Basically, every meal. Uh, one cool thing: you every meal you order, depending on the almost every restaurant I've been to has eight to 10 little appetizer dishes that are just spread around you in a crescent. Great. Um, 
kimchi is almost always involved. Even if you don't get the eight appetizers, uh, tizers, you do get a, a little a little thing of kimchi, which is f- usually flaming hot, uh, spice wise. <laughs> but it's beans or a, a little vegetables or things. All it's sort of eight different uh, aperitifs to to uh, to nibble on before the main dish arrives. Uh, I went to a night market and had. Uh, something called mung bean pancakes. Great. Which are basically like thick, giant latka potato bean pancakes. Okay. This was at one of the biggest night markets. And you just walk around and it's just choked with people and they're frying these bean pancakes in grease. <laughs> and uh, I ordered two, uh, which was which was one too many <laughs> because these things are monsters. And uh, when she brought it over to me, I, I said, I'd, oh, I ordered too much. She's like, yep, yes, you did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I still ate. To my credit, I ate about one and a half, uh, one and a half of them. Uh, and then uh, James, uh, James, who who I did the interview with, James Chung, director of Soul City Improv, uh, we, hang out, we hung out a bunch, and he um, – uh, he took me to a couple of mind-blowing bo- places. Uh, the first, uh, there had been a night of drinking, and it was around 2.30 in the morning. And uh, he said, um, uh, do you like fried chicken? I said, yes, yes, I do. And he said, do you want to try the crispiest fried chicken in South Korea? And I said, absolutely, I did. Yeah, the thing you don't say so, no to. Of course. So we went to this place. It's called Namsan. And it's run by a, 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 a prickly older man and his uh, and his wife, and one of one of them are there at, at they do shifts. I think he does the early shift, she does the late shift, and it's really just a just a hole in the wall spot. Uh, you walk in, you get a sort of a counter at a silver a silver metallic table, and she comes over, gets your order. Luckily, James ordered everything for us. Uh, she puts. And about 10 minutes later, the fried chicken comes over and it is absolutely the crispiest fried chicken you've had. And James said that uh, brands and restaurants have offered to buy their recipe and they've just constantly refused. They will not give up the trade secrets. Uh, So, yes, Namsan, holy crap. It was incredible. (laughs) And uh, definitely, there's like uh, claws and there's sort of like adventurous looking fried pieces <laughs> that I sure. I didn't I didn't go the whole the whole hog or the whole chicken when I saw sort of claws <laughs> coming at me. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, fantastic. And then the other place he took me uh, obviously had to do Korean barbecue, so uh, he took me. Now it's it's unclear what the name is because it has many names on the sign. Uh Blue Roof, Chunky Watown, um uh, uh um uh K Town. And if that sounds familiar, because for those who don't know, Koreatown in Los Angeles is very famous for its food and for its Korean barbecue. And so this place its sign is modeled over the sort of mini mall signs in Koreatown. Okay. Yeah. Sort yeah. of the um, uh, menagerie of colors that don't really match blues and greens and reds. And so their sign is based on that. 
And so their style and their cuisine is sort of a mashup of Seoul Korean barbecue and Los Angeles Korean barbecue. Oh, cool. Which uh, literally says LA meat on the sign. (laughs) And so this is just a weird, it's just a crazy thing where it started here and then it went to Los Angeles and then that was so successful and influential that it returned to the original place and now it's this blend. Um, and I just think that's really cool. And James yeah. and I went ham. Uh, we went ham. We, we ordered everything, all sorts of meat that's cooked in front of you on the little, um, uh, once again, you get your, your 10, 10 dishes, the little dishes, and then you're sitting in front of a grill and you, the meat, they bring the meat over, they slap it on the grill and it cooks. You can kind of cook it yourself if you know what you're doing. Or in my case, they kind of help me and, and roll their eyes at me, which is, you know, fine. Uh, I'm used to it. And, uh, and then you can also get side dishes, uh, like some, a, a, you know, paella, like a big, like, yeah, like, like just a big frying pan of rice. Uh, they have that kind of without the, it's not seafood or anything. It's just a big frying pan of rice. That's, that's crispy. So we ordered that. We also ordered cold noodles. So it's not just cold. There are chunks of ice in the broth that make the noodles very cold. And so uh, James, again, coming through with a clutch, introduced me to the, the best combination I've had is you take the meat straight off the grill, you wrap it in the ice cold noodles, and then you have a bite. And it's just like mind blowing. Wow. Oh my God. That's great. That sounds crazy. Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. I can't lie. Uh, Korean barbecue uh, is awesome. Uh, although I, my, 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 my stomach will be happy for a break from the spice. Um, I'm not a big, I'm not a big spice guy. And it's been, it's been a, it's been a journey. It's been a journey to yeah. Spice Town. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's good to get cleaned um, out every now and again, you know, just like reboot the well, system. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not just the sinuses, Landon. Not just the nope. sinuses. No. Yeah. But, uh, well, but it, it's uh, well, cool. Well, tell me, t- tell me about Soul City Improv. I want to know about this. And we've, as you mentioned earlier, we do have an interview that you did with James Chung at here that I'll, that I'll tack on to the end of this show. Uh, yeah. but I want to know about soul city improv and what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, soul city improv. Uh, they're a fantastic group of people. Um, they're, uh, they're, um, mo- started by expats, uh, as it will. Um, um, James, um, uh, himself is American, uh, of Korean descent, but he, he lives, he's been living here, uh, full time for, I think around seven years now. Uh, Jessica, um, uh, uh, Jessica is someone who was on a house team at Westside comedy years ago. Um, so I think before you were there, but definitely while I was there, mm-hmm. um, but they've been around since 2007, um, performing in, in, in different places. They now have a, a home at the fantastic theater, uh, okay. which is a great little space. Uh, a great little space um, where they do their sort of they, they do their jams on Sundays and then their shows 
uh, 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 once a month now that they're starting back up again. But it's just a cool, it's just a cool group. They, um, they, they have great energy. Um, they've been doing it, uh, doing it for a while. Um, James has sort of been uh, in charge for about six years now, and it's just a great crew. Great crew, super welcoming. Uh, they love the idea of what I'm doing. Got to rehearse with them um, a, a couple times before our show, which was. Uh, something that I didn't get to do with the pirates in, in Tokyo. Um, but it was great. It was just a great experience. So yeah, expats, there's, uh, there's also a, a few uh, South Koreans on the team. Um, and so they're, they're really trying to expand to include, to, to, uh, you know, introduce the Korean people to improv. And I think yeah. they're doing a great job of that. Um, so what is there, yeah, and we, I don't want to step on any information that you might, that might be in this interview, but like, uh, sure. so what is their show? Like, what are they, what are they, what are they doing and how, do, how was, how was your experience with it? Yeah. Uh, the, the show was fantastic. Uh, they, uh, they, um, we did a basically two long form sets, um, where the first one, um, the first one was a single location, so not a mono scene per se. Mono scene would be uh, where um, you're. It's just one scene, and there's no edits or anything. It's one location, but then also you're sort of the same characters, and and you come, you make entrances and exits, but there's no cuts or anything like that. So this was one location, um, but one location uh, where you could jump in time and you could jump to different places in this location. So sure. there's, there's a little flexibility, uh, throughout that. Um, so that was really fun. And then, uh, the second part was, uh, an, an ASCAT, um, which, uh, for those who don't know an ASCAT or Armando, basically, uh, we get a suggestion from the audience and members of the team will kind of do little mini monologues to the audience, uh, throughout the, the set. And then we'll do, um, uh, and then we'll do improv based on that. And uh, yeah, great crew. Uh, this is the second show back from from COVID because they've had uh, restrictions, and just a packed house. It's a man, 60, 60 or so people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always good uh, when we're out frank, frantically adding chairs, rows of chairs uh, before a show. Always yeah. a always a good improv feeling but yeah just a great just a great group had a blast the show is freaking awesome and uh yeah uh, definitely a place and a team that i'm excited to be back and i hope that they um i hope that they collaborate with other groups around uh, asia did you feel any differences between like the audience in terms of because i know we talked a little bit about like in japan like the the humor difference is a little like there's a little bit of a you know not like it's not bad or good it's just there's differences in kind of humor and how they express uh how the audience might express themselves whenever they're you know laughing at something or whatever um was there any difference that you perceived there in south korea uh i mean it was it was a very different vibe just in the fact that this was not a bilingual show right so this was only an english show um and and so it felt more it, it felt and maybe, you know, and maybe this was because, um, 
you know, uh, James and Jessica, uh, you know, were Americans and, or, you know, I'd, I'd been around Jessica before, but it felt, it felt very, or, or that it was a traditional theater space. It felt much more like a house team night at the theater back at the West side. So it felt more familiar, obviously, you know, the venue is more similar and the, the language is, is all English instead of uh, half Japanese, uh, half English. Um, the, the Tokyo show also had a musical energy to it, which was really fun and different. So I, I don't know. It felt, it felt, uh, yeah, it definitely felt like I was back at home at the West side on a, on a house team night, like that, that sort of vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was really cool. There were a ton of first timers, a bunch of people who were discovering soul city improv for the very first time, uh, at our show. Um, uh, I don't think it was because of me. Um, you know, I think James was experimenting <laughs> with some, some Instagram, uh, some Instagram advertising and things, but I, I think there were, you know, 10 to 15 people who were first timers who saw the ads or saw, you know, saw that they, that I was joining or something and, 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 uh, saw the show and really loved it. So that, I mean, that's awesome. That, that was what it's all about, you know, growing, growing the audience. Yeah. And in terms of people and their familiarity with improv, like, what do you feel like that general level? Because, I mean, I'm assuming these are people who haven't really seen a lot of improv shows before, um, if any. Yeah, audience wise, for sure. Um, um, some but also some regulars, some people who who come to every jam and are really gung ho and enthusiastic about it. So there yeah. there was some of that. Or, you know, people who knew what improv were but just didn't know that Soul City was there. Um, or, you know, some people who'd never seen it before. Um, I, I, it, it's, it's hard to gauge specifics, but they seem to be having a pretty good time. And they seem to be digging, <laughs> the, digging the show, you know. You, you, you try and focus, <laughs> stay in the moment, and you're listening and cataloging during a show. Um, but... They were laughing, they were clapping, so I, I, I think they really enjoyed it. That sounds so much fun. I mean, like, it's... Uh, it was great, man. To be able to do a couple of sets like that and have different... I love that form. So the first form you mentioned, which I can't remember what the name of that is either officially called or not officially called, but I remember we used to call it, like, you know, it's kind of like scenes from a mall or something. Uh, exactly, where, yeah. You know, There's where no you have official... Like, right. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, you have yeah, a location, and, and the example that that was given in that case is like you're at a mall, uh, but your scene could be at any store. It could be in the food court. It could be, you know, it, it doesn't have to be in the same physical room, not like an elevator uh, type thing. Uh, but it's it's a little bit more yeah. expanded in that way. Yeah, exactly, and and uh, yeah, it just gives you a little flexibility, and it was uh, it was fun. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I liked it. I, I, I liked, I liked the form and, and again, long form, completely different than what I did in, did in Tokyo. So well, that's the other interesting uh, thing to me is like putting out that the difference between having, you know, kind of a short form thing, which is, uh, pretty easily digestible for, for all kinds of different, you know, people and humors and all sorts of things. And then yeah. this is much, you know, I think it's still when, I'm sure when, you know, y'all do it, it's like still very easily digestible because you're still looking at, but I think the public perception of that is, oh man, like that's so much different. It's it's really not to me. I don't, 
I don't think it's that much different, but they are very different things in terms of shows. Yeah. Yeah. And it was good. You know, like the suggestion was hospital. So we were in a hospital. I, I played Perfect. a janitor. <laughs> that was, the, the, that was the, that was the vibe. But, Classic hospital uh, character. <laughs> yes. Yes. So good times. Um, so uh, before before we move on, I or or, or moving on, I guess I, I made a couple day trips that I have to highlight. Um, South Korea is not a huge country; you can get from one end to another on a on a train for about three hours. Um, but near Seoul, uh, near Seoul. Sorry, any other improv questions before we're going to move on no, to I, a very different vibe? Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm good, and I and I'm interested to hear about this too because this is this is. <laughs> This is a different vibe. Uh, you yes. want to know, know where uh, you know you want to know where long form and short form don't play, no matter <laughs> what it is. <laughs> That's the that DMZ, the, the demilitarized <laughs> zone. Yes, about a forty-five minute bus ride from Seoul, South Korea, up to the border with North Korea, and that's the that's the crazy thing about Seoul. Seoul is within artillery range of North Korea. It it is, uh, it's right by the border. It's right here. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, this and is that's the something capital. I this always is where the forget. Is. I always think, and I don't know why, but you know, my brain puts Seoul down at the at the southern end. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why I do that, but because I, I know that's not true, and I've I've seen. I know what maps are. I've seen them. Uh, <laughs> But then you look at a map again, you're like, oh, yeah, Seoul's right there. It's in it's in the northern part of of South Korea. And the, it is, and, it and is, the border uh, is very close. Yeah, it is. It is, uh, it is like what Oxnard away or, or even even shorter, maybe Malibu. For, <laughs> for, it's a Malibu away. Um but yeah, so I, I I wanted to see it. I wanted to do a, a, a DMZ experience. And so the only way you can do that is a tour. And they only allow limited amounts of buses in every single day, the South Korean military. So uh, get up at 5.30 a.m., meet the bus, uh, meet the bus very early. I think I, think I got on the bus around 6 a.m., we drive 45 minutes uh, to basically where the, the northernmost point. So there's like a mini DMZ. Let me let me describe this. So there's a point where the northernmost point where civilians are allowed to go, and that is a place called Imjinak. In Imjingak, all right. So you can go to Imjingak. Anyone can go to Imjingak. That's where we went on the bus. So beyond Imjingak is now a a military only zone to get into this area you need to go through a south korean border checkpoint now this is not you're not in the dmz you're just now at the point where civilians are no longer allowed to go and then that's i think that's about uh two or three miles and then you get to the actual border where which is the demilitarized zone, which is the the buffer between South Korea and North Korea. Does this make sense so far? Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, that, that there's a place where you know you can go, but then there's a place where it's just military that can be there, uh, and then after that, you get to the DMZ. Is, is that more exactly. or less what I'm think what I, what you're describing? That's 
Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, uh, there's a, there's a limited amount of, of places and there's also a limited amount of where you can go on your own bus. So that's the best thing. So we're on a bus and you arrive and the first three buses that get there and go to the stand, they get a pass to where you can drive in on your own bus. If you don't get that, then the next thing you get is you get on a bus that's driven by people that work there or something. So it's like a like a tour bus shuffle. So we get to Imjingak and our tour guide, Moon, sprints off the bus and does a full sprint to the box office uh, to get a ticket to try and get so that our bus and our bus driver can, can be the one that drives us around uh, the DMZ area. She was unsuccessful, unfortunately, so we had to get on a uh, on a on a different uh, different bus, which okay. you know, fine. Okay, talking too much about buses. We're on a we're on a different bus. Who cares? I just wanted to talk about her sprinting at six thirty five in the morning to try and try and make this happen. No Rasta uh, buses, then, though. There's nothing. nothing yeah, there's nothing <laughs> no like a Rasta, Rasta bus. <laughs> I mean, it couldn't hurt. Couldn't hurt. <laughs> Uh, so it's also, it's very strange in because it's sort of like the, a, a visitor center for the DMZ. Sure. There's a full on like carnival with carnival rides. Great. Uh, which is strange. And, and then this spot is been, has been picked because this is where the, the sort of the last bridge was over to, to the North Korean DMZ side. And they have pylons where the uh, the bridge was shot up and destroyed during the war that you can still see the bullet holes. They also have a locomotive from the 1950s, which uh, was strafed and destroyed, still sitting on the tracks, um, which is kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, crazy. And the other part of this is um, there are train tracks, fresh train tracks built. And uh, the South Korea spent a lot of money. They raised money to build and connect a new railroad bridge with brand new train tracks that is ready for unification. So when unification happens, the the rail rail traffic between the two countries will be able to start up within a few days, which is wow. crazy. Um, but it's right there and you can see it. It's all, it's just, it's ready to go. All they need is to agree to open their countries up and have cross-border travel and, and it's, and it's going to happen. Um, there's also, uh, there's also a table and like a, like a, it's not a monument, but there's, a, there's a table where you can sit and bring food because on uh, Korean Thanksgiving, many families are split. Many families have family members that are in the north or in the south, and there's this Thanksgiving celebration where you're supposed to um, you're supposed to unite and share a meal. But because of the border, many families can't do that. So they have set this table at the northernmost point where people can go, and so people bring food and they they come to this point on these uh, holidays to share to share a meal in absentia with their North Korean family members. Oh, wow. Which is very sad and uh, powerful when you can go and look at this spot. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, you could also, there's a little shack. This is not the, this is not the normal gift shop, but there's a little shack and all they sell in this little shack is coffee and North Korean money. Huh. So I don't know why it's separate from everything else and it's off the books or I don't know what it is, <laughs> but, uh, yes. So you go in and I, you, at a, at a, quite a significant markup. I assume it's much worth more than the, the, the currency actually is, but I bought some, uh, some pieces of Korean, uh, uh, North Korean money. Yeah. I mean, you have to, right. It's gotta do it. You gotta do you it. You gotta do it. Yeah. You gotta do it. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then the main event happens. You, we hopped on the bus and we head to the South Korean checkpoint and they look at all our passports. The biggest thing is they, um, they want the same number of people on a bus that go in to come out. They <laughs> sure. don't want anyone trying to go over there to North Korea, which, uh, is mostly, uh, oh, also, um, South Koreans are not allowed on this tour. They are not allowed on this tour Interesting. because the, the, the fear people in the past have attempted to try and reunite with family members in the North by going on a tour and then, you know, trying to run over there. Right. Uh, so yeah, you have to have a foreign passport and they make sure that it's, a uh, you know, like a club two in, two out kind of situation. Right. Um, but, uh, yes. So then you go in and the first stop is the third tunnel of aggression. All right. So in October of 1978, South Korea discovered a tunnel being dug from North Korea under the DMZ directly to Seoul, South Korea. Wow. And when I say tunnel, this is like a big, big old tunnel that could have artillery and 30,000 troops go through it every hour if needed. (laughs) So they were burrowing and they were, if they wanted to invade, they were going to do it through these tunnels, but they were discovered. Hmm. Game over, man. Game and, over. Uh, you'll you'll note I said third tunnel of aggression because this is the third time they've finally found them doing this. Wow. <laughs> Burrowing underneath. And since then, several more have been found. Uh, the, the North Koreans, they're wily. They're uh, uh, the very, um, very roadrunner and coyote vibes. <laughs> they, they can't stop <laughs> digging. And trying they can't to stop, <laughs> get to it. They want to just march to Seoul, um, but a, a strange part of this, you you, you go and you're and, and we can walk down into the tunnel and see where it is. Um, but first, they sit in a movie theater, and it's one of those. There's a screen in front of you, and sort of on each side, and they showed you a very like propagandistic or okay. Remember when? Uh, remember in the first Jurassic Park when they first arrive and they sit in the theater and then there's the little DNA. Yeah, Mr. Dinosaurs are made of DNA. Yeah, (laughs) of course. Imagine that, but it's about the DMZ and about like, oh, the beautiful nature that has arisen in in the DMZ and it's about peace and 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 the future. It was so weird, man. That it was so strange. weird. I literally, I literally laughed out loud a couple times. 
Because, yeah. And then, and then also in Jurassic Park fashion, when the movie's done, the screen rises and the doors open behind it. And oh, then you walk through. That's amazing. To where the tunnel is. Uh, and then you, you sort of walk down very clean cut and, and clear, you know, like a, like a, like a, a channel drill has drilled down and you walk down and then you get into the sort of the tunnel area itself and you kind of have to do a hunch walk for about 200 yards to get to the spot where, uh, where the North Koreans stopped digging. And then you get to the end and you can see through to that side and it's huge and carved out and they've put up three barricades that have little windows in them so that they, the tunnel can't be used for, its purpose, which was to invade. Um, and then you turn around and you, and you walk out and, he, but then again, like a, when you get out of this, there's like a, a, uh, these big block cartoon letters that say DMZ that you could, that you could take your picture with like very touristy. Like it's, um, like one of those, I love Paris signs or something, right. you know, that these places have, or, or, you know, Tucson, but it's just it's dmz um so yeah but we still haven't seen north korea we haven't seen we haven't seen the 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 elephant in the in the 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 demilitarized zone yet in the tunnel of aggression in the we haven't seen the elephant in the tunnel of aggression yet um and so that would happen at dora observatory so we get on the bus, we go, we wind up this hill and we get to Dora Observatory. We walk in, you go to the second floor. There's a row of those sort of novelty telescopes that you would find on the top of the Empire State Building. You know, they're like giant binocular telescopes. Yep. That you put a quarter in and then you can see. Now, these are free. Um, and then so you look out and if you look straight on the right is a giant trench and military military uh, checkpoints. And that's the Korean side. And then you sweep your gaze to the left. There's a bunch of unoccupied sort of hilly terrain. And then on one of the hills, you see a checkpoint, a little guard post. And that guard post is North Korea. And there's North Korean soldiers in there. And uh, you can see North Korean towns that are that are there and if you look closely you can see folks on bicycles north koreans biking to work or wherever they're going and it was a wildly surreal experience wildly wow. surreal because you're we're there looking at north korea and it's a little strange because you know there's an excitement to see this I, but but people are when they see someone on a bike or someone walking like they're, they're like calling out like, okay, we've got one. We go in front of the big white building to the left. We got one. And then everyone turns the telescopes and wants to see. And it was like, this is like strangely grotesque in, in yeah. a way. <laughs> yeah, there's a voyeuristic kind of zoo aspect oh, to it. Yes. And don't get me don't get me wrong. I, I did the same thing. I wanted to see oh, a North sure. person on a bicycle. Um but yeah, it was a very, yeah, very strange vibe. There's also a giant, a giant theater space, 
except like a like a giant <laughs> just a giant uh, stadium style seating theater for about 2 to 300 people and instead of a movie screen it's a giant window that looks at North Korea <laughs> so like what 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 is going on here it it was very weird it was very weird but man you get caught up and you look out and you can see i think my favorite part there's a giant flagpole with a huge south korean flag on it and then if you pan over to the left there's a slightly bigger north korean flagpole <laughs> with a north korean flag uh, uh at the top of it and so the story is that the north koreans put up a big flag pole and then the or and then south korea put up a big flag pole that was slightly taller and then the north koreans made their slightly taller right and then the south koreans made their slightly taller so just a just a just a just a DMZ dick measuring contest uh, <laughs> until finally, uh, finally the South Koreans they they seeded that they seeded that battle to their counterpart counterparts in the north and let them have the larger flagpole. Wow! Uh, but so it's just little surreal things like that that uh, you just witness from from here. It's crazy because you know it's a. It's a tourism operation, you know, right? Oh, like, yeah. And, yes. and it sounds like a pretty big one. I didn't realize how complete the tourist experience was. Like I thought from just from other things that I've seen, you know, people go to, uh, you know, the DMZ and then there's like a guardhouse or whatever. And then, you you know, you can kind of stand there with the North Korean guards and stuff like that. But like. So that was closed. So uh, I that see. I. Panmunjom, right. So that is normally on the tour. It was closed for COVID for a while, and now I think tensions are high, so they close it. So that comes and goes. So that that was the one bummer that you didn't get to go. Because in that, you can literally go in the conference room where they do and stand on the North Korean side right. and be in North Korea. So, yes, that's Panmunjom. That, that is um, – Right. So I that was closed to to civilians, so I couldn't do that part. That was but, the one but all thing of this other stuff sounds kind of even like way crazier and for sure. And I don't even and I've never heard of any of this stuff. You know what I mean? Like that's pretty yeah. that's pretty wild. I know. That, like I you know, this stuff sounds insane, but it just I guess the photo op of, of the other one is the thing that kind of gets more traction, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, for sure, for this sure. Stuff sounds like insane, on... like the tunnel and the oh, it's, it's and the wild. telescopes and the. I mean, that's that's wild stuff. Yeah, it's wild. And and so at the end of the tour, they they bring you to sort of a, a gift shop visitor center, but it's still inside the 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 special zone. Um, and so this is basically the little town where people live, and the the ironic part is that the ground in this area is where the best rice in South Korea grows. And so there are civilians who live in this area and they have to be back home by 6 p.m. every night or they can't get in to pass the military checkpoint. But so in, in this gift shop, it's sort of a grocery store and gift shop, but they have big bags of rice that say DMZ on them because this is the special grown DMZ rice. <laughs> you can buy it. It's so weird, man. Well, 
I and actually, and this was the thought I had. <laughs> this was the thought I had before, Byron. I think, I think this should be your crypto. I think you should go and buy all that North Korean money, and then, mm. and then hang on to it. And then I like this. You know, maybe one day, who knows what? Who knows what's going to happen with the rest of our society? You know what I mean? Right. Like, the, everything's everything's up for grabs. But then you'll be the king sitting there with a bunch of North Korean money that not a lot of people have. So yeah, I, I like this. I, I'm 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 long on I'm long on North Korea. I mean, that seems like a good investment. What? <laughs> how could that go wrong? Like North Korea to the moon, baby. Now, listen, I'm not Woo. saying that, that that's that, who knows what horse that you want to back. Right. But. Yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, if I'm if I'm if I'm, you know, playing with DMZ currency, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to just stick with this pure DMZ rice that they sell at the gift shop because <laughs> The, the land that these civilians live in this weird non-military zone, it's the best rice land to grow rice in Korea, ironically. Yeah. So well. they sell in the gift shop. So I think I think that will be my currency, this fine DMZ rice, where DMZ is literally stamped on the rice bags. It's wild. I mean, I, oh, I think I think it's a foolproof solution both ways. So Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, uh, okay, I want to I want to tell you about one more place that I went. Okay. A much more, far less political tension uh, in this place, uh, <laughs> and this would be the village of Hawei. Now, Hawei is spelled H A H O E. Hawei. Now, sure, because I. I don't know if I'm stupid or I didn't research. Uh, people would ask me where I was going. I'd say, I was, oh, yeah, I'm going to Haho. Haho. Yeah, and they look at me, puzzled. And you... then eventually they'd be like, oh, I think he means Hawaii, which I, yes, I guess I did. You just um, didn't know that you did. I did not know. I thought, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. But now I do. Uh, but Hawaii is a Korean folk village. Um, it is in the, the center of Korea, about a two-hour train from Seoul to the south, uh, sort of the south, the east-ish. And uh, this is a folk village, and um, the buildings are buildings. I mean, it's all houses. The houses have been around, the oldest ones have been there since the 1500s. And uh, so it's a very touristy site. People like to go and visit these. Um, but... You can also stay with the families that live. There's about 200 folks that still live in this village, and you can stay overnight in their house in one of these centuries-old. They're called hanoks. They're um, they're basically little huts with or, or little little houses with straw thatched roofs, uh, and that's what I did. So for three nights, um, which which my Airbnb host uh, uh, said was way too long. Um, <laughs> she, uh, uh, Suni, the nicest woman in the, in the world. I loved her. Uh, she, uh, so I stayed in, in her, one of her house. And so it's basically five sort of huts with, um, with, and, and huts is like, a they're, they're, they're far nicer than that. Hut is sort of the shape, but the interior is sort of a nice little, like one, 
like studio uh, like apartment, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so it's sort of a, a, a horseshoe shape, the main house, and then a sort of guest house sort of dotting a dirt courtyard. Then you take a step up, shoes off, and you're on this nice wooden um, nice wooden balcony or, or deck. And then you go in your little room. And it's just a little room. There's a mattress on the floor. Uh, it's a little chilly this time of year. Um, but the floors are heated, and that's how the heat um, goes in the room. And so uh, at 5 p.m. when all the other tourists left and everyone else, uh, this is I did the same thing in a place called Magome uh, in Japan, which we discussed. Uh, and then it's just me in the village, and I can walk around and enjoy this place. And it's a very cool experience. I'm now addicted to this kind of travel so, where I go I live. Mean- yeah, what what did you what did you do for for three nights, Byron? Like, what what were you? Well, what what'd you yeah. get up to? So there's no restaurants in in the little village. There's a little there's kind of a restaurant touristy area just outside the village where you can go. But the restaurants there's they they don't stay open past five p.m. So I had to go. Uh, at like 4.45 every day and just get the biggest dinner I could eat and, and stuff it away. Um, they they actually have two regional delicacies. Uh, they have uh, they have the Andong chicken, which is um, just a sort of a massive... I think they, these, these might have been for two people, the servings, but... It was just me, so it was just a big plate of chicken and mushrooms and uh, vegetables. And then the andong mackerel, which is an entire mackerel flayed out on a plate, uh, along, again, with the 10 appetizer little dishes as well. Uh, And the andong mackerel, this is a landlocked area, but they would get the mackerel from from the sea, and then they would salt it so that it could make its way to andong. And that process, the aging and salting process, gave it a unique taste that makes the andong mackerel uh, famous. That makes it what it yeah. is. So uh, I would eat eat a big dinner at 4.45, as <laughs> I guess the old man I've become. Uh-huh. Uh, and then there wasn't much to do at night. You would walk around. I took some beautiful night shots with my iPhone of the the stars that were all around. Um, I did so that the town is um, it's it's called uh, Hawaii because it's which means like it's like crescent lotus because it looks like a lotus, like a floating lotus because it is surrounded by a horseshoe river. Um, And just on one side, there's a cliff. And you can go to the top of the cliff and it overlooks the village and you can see a beautiful sunset. Now, because there's a river, you can't just walk. You have to take like a 20-minute taxi. So uh, for one of the nights, I took a taxi to see the sunset over the village. And it was wonderful. And I took the Korean uh, form of Uber, which is called Kakao, uh, which is very (laughs) fun. um, and so I took a, a Korean Uber there and I said, Hey, uh, to the driver, you know, thinking that I would be able to use Korean Uber to get back. Um, uh, uh, but I said, Hey, if you would come back in an hour and pick me up, that'd be great. And the Korea, the, the driver nodded. Great. So I went, enjoyed a spectacular sunset, overlooked the river and the town and you can see it. 
and it's just a great little spot. And then I went down to where I was picked up about an hour later. Uh, the sun has said it's getting cold and, uh, no, no driver, no, no, uh, no taxi. I'm like, okay. Well, I fired up, uh, fired up the old Uber or cacao and <laughs> n- like no drivers around. Nope. The, the, everyone's, everyone's gone home for the day. Yeah. Uh, which is concerning. Yeah. <laughs> cause, Cause I can't walk back. To uh, the house. So, so uh, two out of the three nights, uh, Suni, my, my wonderful host, messaged me because I wasn't home at, 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 at right when it got dark. <laughs> so she was concerned that I was like, you know, splayed in a ditch somewhere. Yeah. Um, but so uh, the first night I had just been walking around and exploring at, at night and taking night pictures that I said, I, no, I'll be back shortly. And then tonight I'm like, hey, uh, she's like, where are you at? <laughs> I said, well, I'm on the, I'm at the cliff and I can't find any. And there's like nothing. This is farm country. There's no even like houses where I could knock on a door and say like, hello, can you drive me back to hallway? And Uber isn't working. There's trucks going past. There's a greenhouse, you know, where I don't know what they were. It was definitely like if they were, if they were making marijuana or heroin there, wouldn't have been surprised. This would be a perfect isolated place to do it. Uh, and so, uh, Suni mo- was mobilizing. She's like, I'm going to come pick you up. Send me your location. And I was so embarrassed. Uh, a real Airbnb guest fail to have your host have to come rescue you. Come fetch you from the wilderness. So if about five minutes after she agreed, she said, I'll be there in about 30 minutes. Said, Great. Uh, I did lo- one last cacao desperation did, you know, last ditch effort and a driver agreed to get my ride and drive me back. So I called off, I called off Suni. I was driven back to town and with my tail between my legs, I returned, returned home much to her, much to her, uh, much to her um, uh, relief. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then let me guess night number three, you stayed close to home. I really did. You know, there was nothing left to see. She was totally right that three nights was too long to explore the village. Um, but the, the village is actually low-key awesome. So they have the, the, the thatched roof huts, but then they also have more traditional, well-built uh, architecture uh, houses. And as you would think, it's the upper class and the lower class. And back in the day, it didn't matter like if you were like rich and had money – if you weren't from the right like class, you didn't get a nice house. You got right. you got the thatched house, um, and so the the very first house, and it's one of those nicer ones, was built uh, in the I want to say, let's see, I have it right here. Yeah, in the late 1600s, it was ba- wow. built in the late 1600s. Uh, Ryu Unyong, and this is the head of the Ryu clan. Now this house that's been that's there in the late 1600s, it's like five, six hundred years old. This was built by the sixth generation of Ryus who live in this village. So it was settled by the Ryu clan in the late thir- like 1300s, and six generations later they built 
this house that's still there. And that was in like the 1600s. It's wild. That's amazing. Yeah. It's wild. And the the Ryu who lives there now is a direct descendant from the original dude. And so he had like a normal job. He had a normal career. But then uh, once his father died as the eldest son, he returned to the village and he lives there now and, and, and runs the house. And that's, that's his spot. And so about 200 people still live in this village. And of the 200, about 70% are a part of this original Ryu family from the 1300s. That's crazy. Yeah, it's very and, cool. And you recounted this story on the third night, and then Suni was like, you know what? You need to go get lost in the wilderness one <laughs> yeah, more time. Yeah, <laughs> she blocked me on Airbnb. <laughs> uh, no. And and speaking of, of, of long lineages, uh, Hawaii is also famous because it was visited by Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, recently departed, uh, where uh, uh, she, on on April twenty first, nineteen ninety nine, she spent her seventy third birthday in this oh, village. Wow. The Queen, yeah, and they planted a uh, they planted a Korean fir, and that has grown very nicely since then. And you can look at that. And she stayed there. She stayed there and and. Checked out Howey, just as I did. The yeah, queen. probably had probably had a mackerel, and then uh, you know, went <laughs> yeah. to the cliff. No, they showed they showed the table for her birthday party and for her dinner. It was just the most food you could, that a table could literally hold. It was <laughs> unbelievable. Um, and then the other activity you do there is a famous Howey mask dance um, because a, a a mask maker who lived in the uh in the village i believe in the 1300s 131400s created these intricate masks and created a play in which um all these characters uh wearing these masks would come out and interact and it was a very like stark social commentary uh and the play is very dirty because you can go to a little auditorium, a play, and you can watch the play happen as it did huh. back then. Wow. Yeah. And uh, it's it was really weird, man. It was really <laughs> weird. Yeah. We open Not. with a, uh, a you know, like, um, you know, the, the dragons where there's people in the dragon or, or like yeah. the horse where someone's yes. the butt of the horse, someone's the head. So there's that, but it's a bull. And then... Uh, and then the character wearing the mask of the butcher, big sadistic smile on his house, uh, on his face, comes in and uh, cuts the cuts the bull, the balls right off. Okay. And then uh, he's real proud of it. And from there, things got weirder. Uh, <laughs> a a local a local woman, uh, she goes and she uh, you know she's got to pee as we all do, so she pees in a spot. Unfortunately, a priest, a, a very high honorable priest, saw her pee. <coughs> Excuse me, getting prepared for this. Uh, comes over and then, like, leans over the spot and then sniffs it and possibly tastes it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, I mean, and, you know, it's, uh, it's cultural. It is cultural. And then uh, some other stuff happened. I was pretty traumatized at this point. 
Um, but uh, some other things happen. The bull testicles did return as a plot point towards the end. Uh, And then I think everyone lived uh, happily ever after. And if you think I'm like misinterpreting or like, Oh, it was like coconuts or whatever. Uh, No, there, there was a, there's a jumbotron sort of a mini jumbotron translating things like, wow, this is a nice pair of balls. Who wants this pair of balls? (laughs) Uh, So it was not my imagination, not my imagination at all. I mean, it's the oldest, um, it's the old Chekhov bull testicle thing. You know? The like old, old Chekhov's balls. We've all, we've all heard gonna, it. If, if they appear, they're going to be separated they gotta from be the bull. they got to be separated. Exactly. Yeah. And and so my friend, uh, my other friend, James, uh, who I went to college with, when I posted this story on Instagram, uh, he said, did the queen see this play when she visited? <laughs> Which is an excellent question. And I researched and she did see the play. Now, what I cannot confirm, there's like eight or nine masks. And I don't think they were all used. And Mm. so I'm not sure every character uh, arrived. She insisted on being the butcher, which is very strange. Um, So I don't know if she saw the priest pee sniff or the bull thing. But maybe she did, and maybe she learned a little something. Um, so these folks aren't wearing the original masks, uh, but you can. There's a mask museum by that restaurant, touristy eating area, where you can see uh, the original masks, and they are clearly national treasures of Korea. Because how cool is that? Um, but yeah, man, uh, Howe, cool, cool spot. Uh, do two nights instead of three. Instead of the three, if you're gonna go. You could also get away with one. You could also get away with one, um, but yeah, uh, Huawei and and South Korea, cool. That cool sounds place, amazing. Man. Yeah, very interesting. That's... Very interesting. Uh, unique. Uh, uh, certainly, you know, I love unique things in the world, and that is that is uh, high high on the list. Um, well, I love it that you're getting off the beaten path and like continuing this tradition of like finding these villages, and then possibly maybe doing it too close to dark. And then potentially, you know, dying uh, that, that you're like skirting yeah. death every single time. I'm learning. I'm, I'm learning, <laughs> well, learning I don't know slowly. That, wait, I don't know if that going out in Japan and then <laughs> not timing things correctly so that you're not sure if you can get back oh. in time and then doing it again here in South Korea. I don't know if that's learning. But you're right. You know. I forgot. This is the second time, in a row <laughs> the second time you've done this. And it's funny. It would have been about a two hour walk uh, <laughs> as well. Uh, yeah. OK. Well, it's OK. My next my next destination used to used to give me missions. I will. Yeah. I'm giving myself a mission. Don't strand myself after dark, <laughs> two hours away from where I'm going to sleep. Yeah, or just you know, don't don't find don't get overconfident is is all. But I mean, yeah. I don't know. I could say that, and I think you still probably will. Speaking of your next destination, where are mm. you going next? I am headed to Taipei, the capital of Taiwan. Yes, yes, I have a, a show in a mere week with the Formosa Improv Group or Fig. Uh, they're welcoming me with open arms. Uh, my first time to Taipei. I'm excited to check it out. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Uh, and good to have 
a show there. How are you? Are you, do, were you do you know anybody here? Were you connected? How are you connected? Uh, to this again, this is connected from uh, Mike Staffa. Uh, sort of uh, uh, the <laughs> the catalyst for, for for all of this Asia travel. Right. The guy who not only connects me with folks, but also um, but also um, you know uh, puts in a good word and, and tells people that hey, this guy can do improv. He's not a he's he's not a weirdo. And yeah, he um, may get lost in the countryside, but he, he can <laughs> right. he can improvise. But he can prov. But he can prof. Uh, so yeah, so they're they they they're they're um they know him and they they're they're welcoming me and I'm excited. Um and yeah, it was cool. After kind of six weeks between shows, now it's just one week. We're we're let's go. Let's, we're creating momentum yeah. here. I love it. Putting putting the putting the foot on the gas and that's great. Um so I'm I will be curious to know how that goes. Uh after yes. directly after we say goodbye here, I'll just going to tack on this interview you did with James Chung. Do you want to set that up in any way? Uh yeah, uh we did it right after our show. Um James is a a, a great guy. He's the director of Soul City Improv and uh yeah, I don't know. We 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 talked um we talked about comedy in South Korea, um challenges and and um, benefits. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Itawan disaster. They actually had a show that night, um, wow. which uh, and and they were close by. So uh, definitely interesting to hear what he says about about that evening. And then uh, and then yeah, and then we talked about the North a little bit. Um, and uh, and I don't know. He's just a cool dude, uh, chill guy. Was a was a wonderful guide around South Korea, and I'm I'm very grateful to him and all of. Soul City Improv for uh, letting me join their squad for an evening. Well, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to roll that interview here. And then uh, also, if you want to keep up with what's with what's going on and where Byron is, it's where can they find you, Byron? At Improv Ambassador on all your favorite social media platforms. Uh, TikTok blowing up. From that little village in Magome, uh, 12 seconds of a beautiful sunset with uh, a piano. Uh, we're at 3 million, 3 million views. Another viral video, Landon. It's all yes. happening. Well, that, that, you know what? Maybe get lost in the woods some more and get some of those sweet, yeah. sweet, 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 sweet TikTok views. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, over, over 10,000 uh, followers on TikTok, um, largely due to that viral video. So, so, Get in on the craze. Get in while it's hot. <laughs> Keep it um, going. TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, of course, uh, five stars on the pod. Follow us. Review us. Uh, let let the people hear us. Uh, this was a long episode, so I'll shut up. No, <laughs> it's good. It's all good. It's all yes, good. And, and, and this is, uh, and we'll roll that interview with James Chung from Soul City Improv uh, right now. All right. All right. James Chung, director, is that the, the, the proper title? I think that's what we use. James Chung, director of Seoul City Improv here in Seoul, South Korea. Byron, the improv. <laughs> oh, I like that. Here I, in Seoul, South I, Korea. I don't usually get the, the reverse plug, but oh, uh, thank you. Uh, we did our show last night. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, how do you feel it went? Uh, amazing show, good crowd, loved performing with Byron, absolute pleasure, loved performing with you. Uh, Thank you. Um, yeah. Likewise. You know, being able to get 
the opportunity to like rehearse and get some uh, you know fresh takes and seeing your style and a little taste of LA. <laughs> sure, to see it. sure. Well, you know my hometown, but yeah. yeah, that was something that was a good opportunity um, that I wasn't able to do in Tokyo just because of scheduling. But well, I got to have two rehearsals with you and the crew, and mm-hmm. I think that was really important as far as building chemistry with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had met Mike before; I had a relationship with Mike in Tokyo, but. We don't. We all had never met, so mm. <laughs> you were kind of taking a chance by saying that, "Hey, come, you know, come and join us." Um, but I think the rehearsals helped with that. Yeah, I mean, I mean we were joking about how uh, if there's a chance, like you, you're an awful improviser. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then you're just like some dude who's just like, <laughs> using this excuse to go, bro. All right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, I hope that uh, I hope that that did not come across uh, no, on stage yesterday. So much fun. So much fun. <laughs> cool. And the audience loved it. Yeah. Um, such a pleasure, really. So yeah. you're from the states, um, mm-hmm. but you lived here now. How long have you lived here? I've been in Korea six years. I was born in Korea, but I moved to the U.S. when I was. Four. Okay. And I grew up there. Yeah. And so uh, I didn't really know anything about Korea, but I moved to Korea six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And have you been doing improv the whole time you've been here? For the most part, I think. Yeah. I mean, except for the first few months. Yeah. But I joined fairly early. Right. Um, but our group's been around for 15 years. Soul City Improv. Soul City Improv. 2007, it was established. Yeah. By Margaret Whittem. Okay. A very lovely. A uh, very good improviser from Canada. Okay. Um, and I, we had the, you know, pleasure to meet her a few years ago. She came to visit. Um, and yeah, but I've been doing improv with Soul City Improv, you know, a little, ever since I got here six years ago. Has it grown in the six years have you been? How, how has it changed? Oh yeah, it's changed a bunch. I mean, I think that this group has like gone through. I mean, from what I understand, just like different phases depending on like what talent is in the country or like what venues uh this the group is operating out of but you know when i joined i was i was lucky our, our group was fortunate enough to be to have a space uh to call our own essentially mm-hmm. and you know about three years ago at this point uh we moved to this venue which is much bigger very yeah. generously sized and uh, you know, we had to take a big pause because of COVID, but of course, yeah. Um, how, how did you survive that? Well, I mean, were you paying rent here the whole time? And uh, no, I mean, we actually only of like the two years of COVID, we didn't come in for, I think, just under a year. Right. So I mean, it's a significant period of time, and and sort of like fractured attempts. At doing at least like workshops or rehearsals in yeah. between that, but um, yeah, it. Uh, I mean, to be honest, like really have to just like shout out to Alex, our benefactor, who you know was able to keep the actual venue up and running, right? So we could keep like the personnel side kind of like uh, on hold. On hold, we lost a lot of members during COVID who like left Korea. They left. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not, <laughs> no, not too yeah, COVID, yeah. but yeah. or car accidents. Right? Yeah, right, right. But, no, but okay. uh, who, no, I mean, we being based out of Asia and doing English language improv, like you end up getting a lot of like expats or like transient kind of like community members who are here for like a year to experience Korea, or, and then know, you lose them. 
And then you lose them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is sad if it's like, you know, a really good friend who, you know, is also amazing at improv, but that's just how it goes sometimes in this sort of, uh, in this sphere. Um, but we managed to like have some of our core members stay really, really, you know, I mean, we have such like, we have such an amazing, amazing community of people. Um, and, you know, SCI or any improv group for that matter, it's just like, it's about the people. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. What's the biggest challenge of doing improv in Seoul? The same challenges about doing improv. <laughs> no, I mean, like, you know, we, like, we are in one of the biggest cities in the world, mm-hmm. but because our activities are primarily in English, you could consider it more our, like, effective audience is closer to that of, like, a smaller city. Right. But, you know, going beyond that, um, we would love to be able to expand to, like, doing more Korean improv and stuff like that. Is there any kind of Korean language improv scene? Sure, sure, sure. There's a few that operate uh, either out of this theater or Improg, um, who we have a relationship with as, with as well. Yeah, I talked to Helena when we were yeah, yeah, yeah. setting all of this up. Yeah, yeah, she's really great. Um, and so, you know, where there is some Korean language improv, but a lot of room to grow. It's not, you it's know... It's at the very beginning stages still. Sure, 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 sure. I mean, in the U.S., there's been, like, generations of, like, improvisers. Yeah, of course. It's an American art form. And yeah, so yeah. It's, it's always going to be in nascent stages in, in other places. And you can't... We don't... There's not, like, the... Um, foundation of just like talent or experience in Korea yet Um, but also yeah I think you know I mean even in the US though it's like hard to like everyone knows about improv and it is so influential in terms of like writing for TV or for movies or whatever Um, but it's not like a mainstream thing to do. Yeah. That makes sense. Like, yeah. Everyone's heard, most people have heard about it. At right. Least, but in Korea, it's not, it's not even there. Right? Sure. Um, and so, we'd love to see how, like, the art of improv can marry with, like, the culture in Korea. Right. Right. Of course. Um, so, you were, there, there was, about a month ago, there was this awful tragedy mm-hmm. in a nearby neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And you had a show that night. Mm-hmm. Um has that changed? Have you seen any change in the past month uh, about people reluctant to go out or, or to not want to be in crowded places or anything like that? I think this speaks for the general city, but in like, I mean, it's a, it's such a tragedy. Um, there have been people that are like kind of, at least for a while, less kind of like, excited to go out or to go to specific areas. Um, but as far as how it affected us, affected us, it's a bit harder to say. Right, um, right. Yeah, I mean... But you were, I mean, you were here. You had a show that night um, yeah, I mean, relatively nearby, two subway stops away. Right, so we were right near, you know, like a 30-minute walk away. Yeah. I'd like to think that, um, you know, a lot of people like, if they're deciding what to do on that fateful Halloween weekend Saturday, yeah, uh, you know, you can you a lot of people do make the decision to like go out to that area. Um, 
thankfully we were here, our, our you know, community members were here. We also had like a lot of audience that day yeah. that were here and we were able to stay safe. Although, you know, like there was, uh, yeah, I mean, it, but it was, it was hard to like know the gravity of the situation at the moment because the news wasn't, was barely rolling in. Of course, and bits and pieces. Yeah. And... But then when we left the theater, it was just like emergency service vehicles everywhere. Wow. And like, Awful. Yeah. Awful. Awful. Um, so, you when you when people I think when Americans think of South Korea, there there's a pairing of North Korea as well. Just from a, like mm. things that are people hear about in the news and missiles being launched and things like that. Is North Korea like is that a, is that a big part of your shows? Is this a big part of your comedy? Or do do you, do you all think about that on a no, regular never. basis? Never. Not at all. Right. No. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like, um, I don't know, it was like the, uh, America has a lot of enemies too. It's not like you're yeah. always thinking about. To the north, those Canadians. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> like there's a lot of like terrorist humor that would. Got it. Bad taste. Right. I don't know. Right. It's like, it's, you can separate a few ways. Like it's been the fact of the matter, like. For most of people's lives, most people's lives. Sure. Um, yeah. Certainly, everyone. Yeah. So you know, we know it's like in North the audience the, and in the show last night. The North Korea thing, no one really ever thinks about or right. talks about, and it's not really content for our shows typically. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, but the other, on the other hand, it's like you know, North Korea is. It's just Korea. Right, but sure. they just—they were artific- like there was an artificial division. Yeah, literally two American soldiers like drew a line on a map. Sure, yeah, and so it's like <laughs> it was so... it's the same people. Right? Yeah, um, yeah. It's like it's kind of weird to make fun of them. Yeah, I mean, I guess not make fun per se, but or maybe like of like Kim Jong Un or say, you know the yeah. the leadership, but yeah. it just so but but not front of mind like it would like it is in in news ar- around the world. You know, our I, I will say our humor in general ends up being less like i mean our st- like it's not a, there's a rule that we make yeah, about right. it but like <laughs> anything our, can be in a show right well we don't end up being that topical right. i remember like you know you would definitely see in the states like i imagine j- during like trump's presidency like people of course trump yeah impression oh even biden you know sure, like yeah. whoever whoever is in charge is and, always gonna take and take sure like heat. we did we did probably did probably someone did a Trump impression at some point. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I don't, I don't. But in, in general, our, our our group tends to be less topical. Right, right. Um, for what it's worth. Yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, what is next? What where do you what are you focused on for the theater and the group for the next year and the next five years? Wow. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> easy. I'm ending with an easy one. Yeah, it's an easy one. Uh, next year is just get back to sort of where we were before COVID. Uh, trying to have shows almost every week, um, sort of rebuilding a, a community sort of base of like really talented improvisers, um, and uh, you know just sort of expanding on that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, uh, for what it's worth, I I thought last night we probably had sixty people or so in here. I thought we had a pretty pretty incredible crowd, and they were enthusiastic. Um, yeah, I think including the improvisers and ad hoc folks, it would be just shy of 
16. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it was it was full. We you know we were, it was like oh four rows like no five rows of chairs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now six. It, felt, it was a great crowd. And, yeah, and it felt our, it felt great. So as far yeah. as like bouncing back, like I yeah. It was it, our it was our second show back and from oh, from from COVID in the last yeah I mean the last year we've had two shows. So wow, the second show back. Wow, and you know a lot of rebuilding to be done in terms of like getting people in the door and like figuring out how we you know engage with the community again yeah um and just sort of like us as improvisers getting used to like working with crowds again Uh, (laughs) sure 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 uh you know we do this because we love it and yeah yeah. but uh yeah so that i mean that's the that's the one year plan okay uh, five years, we got to go international, baby. Yeah, let's do it. COVID. <laughs> no, we'll see. I don't know. TikTok. Everyone says TikTok. TikTok yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's fun. It is addictive. <laughs> Be careful. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've gone down the rabbit hole many times. No, no, it's but. fun. Uh, I mean, I'd love to figure out something where we can, like, you know, just really, I mean, to be completely frank, it would it'd be really uh, cool to see, like, uh, our group become this, like, sort of creative hub and be able to, like, got a lot of different kinds of um, a lot of different kinds of comedy sure um, different formats or platforms or media it's one way to approach it yeah but, um, you know you got to start with a strong foundation so of that's course. what we're working on right now awesome yeah well I'm really appreciative of you sharing your stage and your community with me it was great performing with you and yeah. and being a part of those rehearsals, and um, I can't wait to be back. You, you know, we were talking today. I'm leaving tonight, but you you said like three things. I'm like, oh, I want to do that. So <laughs> there's there's things on the on the list when I come back. Yeah, you're back. You're welcome back anytime. Would love cool. to. Yeah, and uh, for those of you watching from other countries uh we are here (laughs) uh we'd love to you know collaborate with other people we definitely have a focus like domestically uh but we love to go abroad or like invite performers from abroad and stuff like that cool soul city improv james thank you sir thank you